to Totalus Rankium. This week, Michael Five. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. And this is episode 134. <gasps> the magic number. Oh yes, been waiting for this one. Michael Five. Oh. Who? Well, uh, Michael Five, you know. No? No, any memories from last time we recorded? Um, Romanos Three. <laughs> he was a general that went with the old dead emperor's wife, but then he got rid of the emperor's wife, got chucked her out, and then he died or something. That is close. I mean, it's not all perfect, but you know what that will do? That will do. Yes. I mean, he wasn't a general, uh, but it's fine. Oh. He also wasn't the last emperor we did. Oh. Yeah, because Romanos III died in the bath after being poisoned, remember? They oh, drowned him. so I'm, I'm getting mixed up with... Oh, I've, I'd use a different notebook, that'd be why. <laughs> because then, if you remember, Michael IV, the young hottie... That was uh, it. That's what I was thinking of. Stopped being quite so much a hottie, ended up being just bloated and then dead. Quick summary for you, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Right. John the Orphanotrophus. Remember him? He's Lord yes. Chamberlain. He's pulling all the strings at the moment. I've got a little circle around him. Yeah, that's, he's important. That's why. So, yeah, Lord Chamberlain essentially running the empire. Uh, he arranged it so his younger brother, the hottie Michael, would become emperor once Romanus III died. Michael IV being the younger brother, uh, married Zoe, and then John and Michael IV uh, put Zoe under house arrest, much to Zoe's disgust. She didn't like that, did she? No. Uh, then another brother, remember they had a few brothers? Yes. There were five of them. I was going to say four, but close enough. Well, um, Nikitos was sent off to look after the east, but died soon afterwards, as we saw last time, so another brother, Constantine, was sent east instead. Hmm. Then, John and Michael IV attempted to take Sicily. They sent their best general, remember, Maniaches? Yes. Yeah, uh, but they also sent their brother-in-law, Steve the Shipmaker, who happened to be oh, married yes. to their sister. Oh, yeah, there we go, it's starting to And come he's back. absolutely off. well, he, no experience, he just basically tarred boats or something. Yeah, he was a corker. He, he sailed up the boats, um, and then they that made him fantastic. an admiral. Uh, that is wonderful. Well, Steve and Maniakes fell out in Sicily, and uh, Steve wrote a letter home stating that Maniakes was planning to usurp, so Maniakes was thrown into exile, and Steve then lost the war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by this time, Michael IV was very ill, and worried about succession, John put in place our emperor today which is their nephew, the son of Steve, Michael V. Right. Yeah. Uh, this was done just in time because Michael IV died soon afterwards after putting down the Bulgars. So that's last episode. Hmm. Coming back Easy. to you? Yeah, all back. All, all back. there. All there. In, right in the old noggin. Good. Right, okay. <laughs> Before we start looking at Michael V, though, uh, his name, because he's known to history as Michael V... Caliphates, or Caliphates, probably Fates, less amusing. Um, uh, yeah, I prefer Caliphates. Well, this translates to Michael the Corker, solely because his father, Steve, was a corker. Uh, he wasn't himself, as far as we're aware. Right. However, Caliphates, I mean, that, that doesn't really mean anything to anyone, and sticking to our tradition that we seem to have built up, uh, we're going to translate Caliphates our own way. So, options. What are we going to call yeah. Michael? Is he going to be Michael V the Corker? Is he going to be Michael V the Boat Builder? Michael V the Ship Smearer? <laughs> or Michael V the Ship Sealer? Or any anything else that you would like? I, I like the... I like Michael V the Ship Smearer. The Ship Smearer. I mean, that's what yeah. he did. He smeared ships. Yeah. Or at least his dad did. Yeah. Steve the Ship Smearer. I like it. There we go. Okay, right. So that will be his episode. He'll be Michael Five, the ship smearer, which I think, although it's not, again, as we've done before, not in literal translation, a bit like Pooh Face, I think it, it gets the emotion of the nickname correct. Yeah, it's the, I mean, the essence of the character, I feel. Yeah, I think so. 
So, let's start diving into the life of Michael Five, the ship's mirror. We're going to start with Steve, or Stephen, as he's usually called in the sources, or Stephanus, as he was probably known in real life. Steve. He was a relative nobody. He was, as discussed, a ship corker, who gets quite a, a punishing introduction from Cellus, uh, if you remember. I read out most of it last week about how he wasn't this and he wasn't that. All he did was build boats, but don't think that yeah. he cut up the wood or anything. No. All he did <laughs> was smear the ships. So, uh, that's that's Steve. Uh, and that is all we know about him, or at least his early life before he becomes a, a rubbish general. Mm. Um, at some point, he married the daughter of an equally obscure family, but this was the family that was going places, because, of course, this is the sister to John Theophotrophus and Michael yeah. Four and the other brothers. Uh, now, at some point, Steve and the sister have a child, and they call him Michael. This is around 10.15. Can't believe you didn't ask in the morning or in the afternoon, though. Oh, sorry. I see, in my head, I was thinking, that's, that's 900 years before the Battle of something, <laughs> World War One. That's yeah. what I was thinking, sorry. It was a perfect... It's okay. I, I mean, I, take, no, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll redo it. Go on, say it again. Say it again. So I've already said it. I'll edit it in. It'll be smooth. All right. AM or PM? <laughs> oh, Jamie. You... <laughs> you cad. Um, Just make sure you remem- remember to edit that in the right place, yeah? I definitely will. Yeah. Good, good. Anyway, then, uh, John managed to get Michael Four on the throne, as we saw last episode, uh, and the life of this family of Steve changed forever. As we saw last time, Steve became an admiral, didn't do a great job. Uh, he didn't know how to command a fleet for a start, but no. <laughs> Not great. Still, the family became important in the royal court, and when John was looking for an heir, he needed someone from the family, desperately quickly. Well, who have we got here? Little Michael, in his mid-twenties by this point, so uh, skipped the first quarter of a century of his life, because we know nothing. Uh Yeah, so Michael suddenly found his life improving significantly. To begin with, he was formally adopted by Zoe, the Empress. Uh, Now, although, as we covered last time, John told his brother that little Michael would be heir in name only, uh, and do little else... Uh, Despite this, though, Michael V soon saw things getting better. Uh, In particular, the two lesser-known brothers of John and Michael IV started treating Michael V like the future emperor. Understandably, he was technically the future emperor. Uh, In particular, Constantine, who seems to have come back from Antioch by this point, starts getting close to his nephew and offered him a lot of gifts and advice. That sounds like grooming. (laughs) It was less grooming, more Constantine's come back from Antioch, not happy with John. Ah, okay. Yeah, apparently uh, John's starting to lord it over his brothers a little bit, and Michael falls the actual emperor, so he's lording it over his brothers a little bit. Constantine's not happy. No, so he's decided he's going to get close to the heir, so when the inevitable happens and Michael Ford does die, he'll be in better standing. So Michael V goes from being a peasant boy to suddenly having all the riches in the land at his disposal. Hmm. We have no details, but I'm guessing he had a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah. assuming so. And then at last we start to get a sense of who Michael V was as a person. Cellus uh, describes him as one capable of feeling one thing but showing an entirely different emotion. Uh, in fact, I quote here, he controlled the fire underneath the ashes. Ooh, so and like an inner rage and inner turmoil, but he's yeah. quite a nice guy on the outside. Yeah. Would he mutter, obs- mutter obscenities underneath his breath, sort of like, you stupid... Well, no, no, he'd, he'd keep it even more inside than that, apparently. Oh, apparently just twitch violently. Just, <laughs> maybe. Apparently he'd just as happily sit down and have a nice meal with someone he despised as with his best friend, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. He, he was very good at just controlling his thoughts not letting them show. Play the game. Do you think that was done because he probably didn't care that much or because it was strategically better to do that? Um, You get the feeling that he was trying to be strategic at this point. Um, At this point? Well, yeah, I mean, by the end of the episode you can make up your own mind. Um, But yeah, you get the feeling this is a conscious decision from Michael Five here. Okay. 
Um, now, it would appear that upon becoming the heir and getting close to his uncle Constantine, Michael V started to resent John and Michael IV, his other two uncles. Uh, perhaps this is because he realised that he was quite clearly a stopgap heir. He was filling the space until someone better could be found. Uh, it would appear that John and Michael never really intended Michael V to become the Emperor. They just needed an heir in place to stop all the muttering about succession. All right. And it would seem that Michael V was not too pleased about this. That said, uh, he was very respectful to everyone, uh, especially to John, Michael IV, and Zoe. He called them by their proper titles. He deferred to them. He was... He was the height of good manners he was. However, John was the Lord Chamberlain for a reason, and he soon began to suspect that his new heir was not going to be a willing puppet. Mm. He realised that something would have to be done with his nephew. Is this going back to grooming again? <laughs> no, no, more more stabby-stabby. Uh, oh, yeah. Or at least removey Is that worse? I don't know. Monkey-monkey. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, one of these things. Uh... Yeah. Uh, however, John realised he can't do anything right now. The time's wrong. Uh, Michael Five had literally only just been adopted by Zoe. Uh, he can't just get rid of him immediately. It would look bad. He's just going to have to wait for the best opportunity and hope that Michael Four lasts as long as possible. Oh, do you think he just always followed him? Or did, oh, he went on like street walks, as they often did. Uh, and he'd put ladders again, and he had to walk under ladders, that kind of thing. He sat. He'd say, "Here, hold this mirror," and he'd drop it and go, "Oh no!" He'd hire people to sit on roofs and just sl- slowly push tiles off. <laughs> yeah, he'd seen Ben Hur. Um, <laughs> he knew. He knew that tiles are dangerous things. They're very uh, dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, but none, none of those worked. Uh, Michael V stubbornly stayed alive. Uh, unlike his uncle, Michael IV, the Emperor, he went off to war. Remember, against the Bulgars, despite the fact he could barely walk. Um, and uh, he won. He put down that oh. revolt, uh, but it was too much for his weakened body. He came back yeah. with sausage fingers, remember? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it became very clear he was about to die. John yeah. realised he was just going to have to put up with his nephew as emperor and figure yeah. out a way of getting rid of him after he'd claimed the throne. How, how, how many words is this episode? <laughs> um... It's shorter than last week's, but it's not as short as you might think. Okay. We're not near the end yet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's got at least a week, then. Uh, Yeah, yeah, at least a week. Um, But yeah, it's not going to be our longest episode. You might have... (laughs) You're on to something there, definitely. Anyway, John, Constantine and George. George is the name of the other brother who's never mentioned, by the way. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't have much of a role. Anyway, they all gathered round the deathbed of their brother and watched as he died. Michael just like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. (laughs) John, who seemed to have cared for his brother, Michael, more than the others, stayed with the body for three days in mourning. That was done, wasn't it? You'd hold hold your vigil. Yeah, even now. Meanwhile, however, Constantine and George, they popped out. I mean, Michael IV was dead now, so best go and get Michael V, who wasn't in the palace at the time. Uh, Let's go and collect him, bring him back to the palace. Now, if the three were planning anything at this point, they at least realised that it would be foolish to try and make a move against John this early. Uh, John was too powerful. He was the only one at the moment who actually knew how to run the Empire. No one else <laughs> he knows did. Things. Exactly, so we can't get rid of John. And in the, in the, in the canteen, the staff canteen, he knows where the spoons are. Exactly, and he's, he's the one who's actually figured out all the pensions and stuff, and no one's got a clue how they work, so... Nope. Oh, it'd just be a pain to get rid of him. Yeah. yeah, and he takes the recycling out twice a week. Exactly. As well. So they decide not to make a move just yet. They wait <laughs> for three days, and John comes out of his vigil. His brothers and his nephew were waiting for him. Apparently, they fell fell upon him with hugs and kisses and sympathy. Aww. Or at least uh, George and Constantine did. Michael, who I will now just call Michael instead of Michael Five because Michael Four's dead. Uh, Michael apparently stood there and slowly raised his hand in a kind of "you may touch my hand" under high five. <laughs> I don't think it was in a high five way. Uh, that's not how I read it, but you know what? <laughs> I think he, dude, yeah, high five, and he just went, "I'm emperor." Uh, and John, John stared at him. Anyway, the four meet. They discussed their future. John reminded uh, his brothers and nephew that they all came from a nobody family. 
I mean, who were they? And yet here they were, in the palace. (laughs) The Emperor's dead, uh, and in theory, Michael will become Michael V, but don't take that for granted. We're no one. Yeah. Um, How the hell did this happen? Yeah, Uh, well, John (laughs) then pointed out it happened because I've spent my life clawing our way here. Don't ruin this. The first and foremost thing you need to remember is that Zoe is the legitimate link to the actual royal family. She's the daughter, the niece, and the granddaughter to emperors. She is the continuation of the throne in the eyes of the public. So, little Michael, he roughly said, you're going to be the next emperor, hopefully, but to make sure everything looks right to the public, you're going to need Zoe's support. So, don't mess that up. (laughs) So, first on the list of things to do is go to Zoe and make sure that she supports Michael to become the next emperor. Hey, sis, how are you? Yeah, it's it's worth recapping the story very briefly from her point of view, I think, just so we don't lose sight of exactly where (laughs) Zoe's coming from here. Remember, Zoe is the daughter of Constantine VIII. Yeah. She was nearly 50 when she was suddenly forced to marry Romanos III. Yeah. A man she did not like. Well, no one did, really. (laughs) She then fell in love with a young man in the court, and then quite possibly plotted to kill Romanos III and replace the Emperor with her new lover. And, if that was how it happened, the plan worked perfectly, but then her young lover, Michael IV, cast her off and put her under house arrest. Turns out he didn't like her much. So she then attempted to murder John through poison, figuring that John was the string behind everything, but the plan had failed, and this led to an even more severe house arrest. So you could make the you could make the argument that Zoe's not the biggest fan of John you could, and the family. You could definitely argue that. Uh, then okay. John had come along and forced her to adopt this young Michael Five fella, which she had done because she had no choice. So there you go, that... That pretty much catches us up. Michael Four dies, and here was her brother-in-laws, who she hated, and her adopted son, who she did not know, on her doorstep. Hi! <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, don't forget, she was trapped. She has no power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the historian Norwich, who uh, very famously has written uh, books about this period has come to the conclusion that perhaps Zoe wasn't very bright and was easily manipulated. Uh, I personally think that's a bit harsh. I don't think we can quite make that jump from everything I've read. But more on that in her episode, because she gets an episode. For now, John told Zoe that Michael V would be the perfect emperor. In fact, I'll quote Celis, who was, again, remember, he was there at the time, so primary source here. In what way was he there? Was he just sort of like hiding behind a column sort of writing this down verbatim up until this point he has just been alive at the time seeing bits but he has recently got a job in the palace as a high up advisor so when i say he was there he was literally there we get to some bits later where he's no longer observing he's actually taking part in some of the things that happens wow yeah, uh, primary <laughs> primary source is Celis. This is why he's well liked. I put the pillow over John's face. It's it's not quite that, but it's close. No. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I quote here: heaping upon Zoe all the flattering names suitable to such a moment, they assured her that their nephew would be emperor only in name, while she, apart from the title, would have besides the power that she inherited by right of descent. If she so desired, she would administer this state in person. If not, she would give her orders to him and use him as a slave emperor to do her bidding. Ooh. Very much the same speech that John uh, gave to Michael Four. Make him the yeah. heir. Here, just in, in name only. We'll find someone better. You get the <laughs> feeling that this is John saying to Zoe, look, just make him emperor. Uh, we've got no better options at the moment. Like a business deal, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Zoe's got little choice. She is fully controlled by John. Uh, She can't say no. Uh, She could cause trouble. She could publicly say she doesn't support it, but she might find herself having an accident before that happens. Uh, So she supports them. (laughs) Uh, And Michael V was crowned emperor. So there we go. We have a new emperor. And to begin with, things go very smoothly. This new emperor was 
deferential to both Zoe and John. He listened to their advice. He told John that, and I'll quote here, he himself was like a tool in the craftsman's hand, and that the melody was not of the lyre, but him who played it in harmony. Aww. So Quite poetically nice. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So, so we obviously didn't say it, but it's nice to, nice to hear. No, but I mean, Celis has a way with words, and the uh, the translator also has a way with words, and it's, it's come out quite well, this Celis. So, yeah. Yeah, Michael played the part well to begin with. John, however, had lost none of his distrust of his nephew. In fact, again, I will quote Celis. He knew that his smoothness went no deeper than words. The hardness of his heart was hidden deep inside and covered over. So, John started to figure out a way to get rid of Michael, while at the same time, the new emperor tried to figure out how to remove the most powerful man in the empire without causing too much mess. The two start plotting against each other. Uh All the while, acting perfectly polite to each other. They apparently both knew that the other one was plotting. I'm guessing they probably knew that the other person knew that they were plotting. I hope so. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make it clear at all whether they knew that the other person knew that the other person knew they were plotting, though. <laughs> so I don't know how deep this went. Uh, but there was a lot of knowing and a lot of plotting going on at this time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of forced smiles and howdy-do's whilst sharpening knives. Ah, John, nice to meet you. Are you eating steak? No. Uh, It would appear that John makes the first move. Skylitzes tells us that Zoe exiled Constantine and George shortly after this. Although this presumably was John's work, because it would appear Zoe had very little power herself, uh, in order to keep his nephew weak. He realised his brothers were pulling the strings that Michael had, and um, get get them out of the way. And then Michael maybe will become more malleable. Uh, However, Michael struck back and was able to persuade Zoe to allow Constantine to come back to the palace. Uh, Zoe still, according to Skylitzes anyway, still had some power because she made the order and it happened. Uh, Constantine was back in the palace and then Michael gave him the title of Nobilissimus, which is a good title. Or Nobilissimus? Nobilissimus. Being noble. Yeah, uh, this was a title that in the past, uh, back in season one, it was around. Uh, it was linked to Caesar. You were the Nobilissimus or the Nobilissimus if you were Caesar. Uh, in this time, however, the two titles have been separated. If you were the Nobilissimus, you were essentially the backup heir. You were one below heir. You weren't the heir, you weren't yeah. Caesar, but you were close. You like could pre Caesar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You could touch Caesar. You could touch Caesar uh, if you stretched yeah. a bit. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Constantine, therefore, as there was no actual heir, uh, technically became the second most important person in the empire. Yeah. And with this backing him up, Constantine started to feel safer, openly disagreeing with his brother. He began to openly criticise the Lord Chamberlain, which the emperor then started to do also. Ooh. Who will get rid of this troublesome Lord Chamberlain style? Yeah. yeah. Uh John, however, he was busy. He was he wasn't just gonna sit there and take this. Uh he knew he had to act quickly or his all his hard work would come to nothing. Now he had another nephew. I mean this nephew wasn't ideal. After all, he'd chosen Michael above this other nephew to begin with, so there was obviously something not ideal about this nephew. But John figured He's got to be better than Michael, so let's see if we can get this new nephew on the throne. Uh, In order to distance himself, he arranged for his nephew to take a swipe at the throne without it being obvious that he himself was involved. So he just whispered a few suggestions, pulled a few strings, made a few favours, and all of a sudden his nephew thought it was a good idea to coup. Mm -hmm. If the nephew failed, John could deny everything. That was the plan. However... Uh, something happened, and it's not made clear what, but it would appear John suddenly starts getting nervous that he's going to get caught linked to a plot. Uh, obviously, too many people mention those favours that he'd called him. So, one day, he arrived in Michael's chambers with a stack of paper to be signed. In the pile of boring red tape was one single document, tucked right in the middle, that John knew the Emperor would not bother reading. There was a big pile of paperwork to be signed. 
He knew Michael by this point. He wasn't going to read them. Hmm. Want to hazard a guess what this piece of paper said? I will kill you (laughs) and all of your family. Not quite. It essentially said that if any relative of the Emperor should plot against the Emperor, John would have immunity from prosecution. <laughs> That's brilliant. Which is just amazing. So so much fantastic. faith being put into the law there. It's like, if I get caught planning to usurp the throne, I've got a bit of paper saying it's fine. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. This was signed, so there you go. John's, yeah. John's got his, uh, his immunity. However, before his plan could take effect, or perhaps this was part of the plan, it's not 100% clear, uh, but either way, one evening, Constantine and John got into an argument. Uh, the two brothers really dislike each other by this point. Constantine called John a few names, <laughs> and uh, John was unhappy. So he stormed out the palace. In fact, not just stormed out of the palace, in fact, he left the entire city. That's how angry he was. However, we're going to have to wait to find out what happens because Jamie's about to move because of technical difficulties. Right, we're back. Jamie's had to move because he kept cutting out. Yeah. You're in a different room now. Yes, a big echoey room. Yes, it is a big echoey room. We've never recorded in that room before. No, it's like a swimming pool in here. There's no carpet in here as well, which makes it even worse. It's laminate flooring. Wow, you literally have just got in an empty room with all hard floor and walls. (laughs) Yep, lots of reverberation in this room. (laughs) The perfect recording. Oh, you've got again, Jamie. Okay, (laughs) we've tried a third room. Because things aren't going... Actually, it's the first room again, but set up differently. Round two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Right. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? Maybe the recording will work. Anyway, whilst we've been sorting all this out for the last who knows how long, um, (laughs) John and Constantine had an argument, if you remember. Yes, the first time I've heard it. Yeah, I'm hoping all this will splice together to make sense to the listener. (laughs) Um, John, angry with Constantine, stormed out of the palace and also left the city. Uh, his thinking was they would soon realise that they needed him. He was the only person who who knew where the bones were kept. Is that a saying? That's not a saying. Where the bodies are kept. Yeah, he was the only person who knew how the Empire worked. They needed him and they'd soon realise. Is what John was thinking. Yeah. Uh, Michael Five, however, feared that this was all part of the plot to usurp him. I mean, what exactly is John up to here? He did not trust that John had left the city. It just seemed a bit suspect. Yeah. So, Michael wrote John a letter that essentially promised an apology when the Lord Chamberlain returned. It was all very nice, this letter. John, feeling mollified, headed back to the city and to the palace to accept his apology. Maybe we can put all this behind us. I mean, he wasn't going to stop scheming or anything, but maybe Michael would, and that would be good. Yeah. However, once he got to the palace, at the arranged time, he was informed that Michael had gone to the theatre and not left a note for him. John, furious at this snob, stormed off immediately and headed back to his residence outside the city. Michael then sent John an order. You disobeyed my summons. I clearly told you to come to me, and you didn't. Yeah. Uh, So, come back and explain yourself. Now, John received this message, uh, along with... Quite a few men with sharp, pointy things who were all standing around looking like very severe postmen. It dawned on John that Michael Five had made his move because this was it. Uh, And it happened before John could set his plan in motion. He was too slow. So John was put on a ship and sailed towards the capital, um, towards the Palace Harbour. However, then Michael appeared on the balcony and made a signal. Now, Celis doesn't tell us what the signal looked like, but a signal happened. That sort of one. <laughs> maybe that maybe one, not that one that. or that one. No. It's a good job this is an audio podcast. Yeah, um, yeah maybe maybe the slitting the throat one with the finger. Who knows? And a point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, another ship suddenly pulled alongside the ship that John was on. Uh, he was bundled on board the second ship and sent to one of those islands that they exile people on. And just like that, John's out of the story. Uh, That's fast. Yeah, things don't go well for John after this. He's blinded and executed. Uh, but not by Michael. 
Uh, oh. This is a different story for a different time. Uh, but just know that John's out the picture. That's no more John. Okay. So we're just left with Constantine and George. Yeah, although George isn't really mentioned again. Um, right. He's very much the other brother. Uh, but you're absolutely right. We have Michael now on the throne. Constantine, his right-hand man. Um, his mentor. Um, and obviously Zoe. Now, it turned out that Michael might well be the son of a ship corker, but he had ideas. He wasn't going to just let the Empire tick along. He was going to uh, change it. He was going to make sure things were different around here. Basically, if John and Michael IV had supported it, Michael V did not. He was very angry with his predecessors. He wanted to do things his way. Uh, To begin with, why exactly, Michael asked, do we have our very best general in exile? I mean, for a start, let's get him back out on the field. Like, why did you throw Maniakes in exile? Which is interesting, because if you remember, the reason why Maniakes was in exile is because Michael V's father, Steve, had complained about him. We've also not heard a thing yeah. from Steve all episode, which gives us the impression that perhaps Michael didn't like his father much. Or at least his dislike of John uh, far surpassed his love of his father. Yeah. Anyway, best general, now back out on the field. That's a good move. Uh, next, Michael realised he's in a very precarious position here. He was a nobody. He knew he was a nobody. Uh, he's found himself on the throne. And he's just got rid of the man who put him there. His one supporter. He was under no illusions that the powerful in the city looked down on him and hated the fact that this peasant was on the throne. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, Farmer boy, or ship-making boy. <laughs> that was the attitude of the powerful. However, he also realised that there were a lot more of the common man than there were of the powerful. Yeah. He figured as long as he had the love of the people, he'd be safe. The powerful wouldn't dare make a move if he was so popular the people would rise up in revolt if they tried anything. So, uh, he starts a campaign to become popular. He stripped many yeah. of the officials from power... Uh, weakening the powerful faction, but you also get the feeling that this was uh, strategically done so the the people liked what was happening, so probably corrupt officials. Yeah, generally cleaning the place up a bit. He also got uh, rid of the Viking Guard. He didn't trust the Viking Guard, the Varangians. They were Michael Ford's guard. Yeah. Uh, he got a, uh, a new Slavic Guard instead. Still barbarians from the north, but yeah. uh, different. Different barbarians from the north. Okay. Celus <laughs> Norskylitz is going into detail, but it would appear that he enacted several laws that favoured the common man, because support for him from the everyday citizen in the capital rises to the point that Michael feels safe. He feels like he's achieved his goals. Safe enough to deal with his last problem, and that is Zoe. Yeah. As long as Zoe was still there, she was the legitimate line to the throne. Now, I mean, she was too old to have children, and it doesn't actually make complete sense from a political move that Michael V wanted to get rid of Zoe so much. So it would appear that this was more personal. Uh, (laughs) He probably associated Zoe with John and Michael IV. Remember, he had had to go to her to grovel to get her to accept him as an adopted son, and then again to become the emperor... Uh, He did not like Zoe one bit. And if she was gone, then everything would just be neater. He'd be the emperor. There's no hangover from the last administration. He could just rule. Now, by this point, Celis is definitely working in the palace as a high-up official. Uh, So we get more inside detail than usual here. Uh, Michael V approached various friends with a plan. He was going to accuse Zoe of various treasons and send her into exile. It was a simple plan. Uh, But that was his plan. Now, apparently, he was advised various things from his friends. Some of his friends said, yeah, go for it. (laughs) Some of his friends said, don't be stupid. And some of his friends said, why don't you go to the astrologers to see if the plan will work first? Oh, he did, didn't he? (laughs) Well, Celus then spends about half a page, very politely, to be fair, (laughs) ranting about how astrology is nonsense. Even back then, they knew. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but then uh, he informs us that Michael Five indeed decided that perhaps he should go to the astrologers just to check if the plan would work. I, I was almost borderline sort of, I wouldn't call it respect, but sort of appreciating him a bit, you know, oh, wanting no, to be his I, own wait, man. Wait, 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 I've not finished this story, Jamie. I think, I, I knew writing this bit that this part would please you. <laughs> uh, the astrologers consulted 
informed Michael that his plan was unwise and likely to fail. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> he replied, and I quote here, The blazes with you! And as for your wonderful knowledge, my daring venture will make child's play of it. And he stormed out. So there you go. Yeah. He told the astrologers to go to hell. Fair He'd enough. He'd prove them wrong. <laughs> Does he? Well, let's find out. Shortly <laughs> afterwards, charges were read out in the forum of Constantine the Great. Uh, accusing Zoe of treason. She had attempted to poison the Emperor. The previous Emperor? No, no, Michael V. Oh. Yeah, see, this is the plan. Zoe was then dragged from her bedchamber, uh, not knowing about any of this, just one morning suddenly <laughs> dragged out of the, the bedchamber, uh, placed on a boat, and off to exile, she went to one of the prince's islands. Remember those little islands that they used just outside the yeah. capital to exile people on? Isn't that where she went before? No, Zoe's never been exiled before. She's um, just been put under house arrest. That was it, yeah. Yeah, her hair was shorn off and she was thrown into a monastery. So there you go. Goodbye, Zoe. Michael then spoke in front of the Senate. Uh, Celis tells us that he delighted in recalling the events where he caught the Empress red-handed trying to kill him. Apparently, uh, he recalled the events as if performing a play, which uh -huh. I think is hilarious. I think this is full-on. They weren't in the Senate House. Uh, he'd actually like, booked out the theatre. Yeah. It was just black, one-man play. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> he's wearing all black, and there's just one stool in the middle, and he's doing all the parts. Like proper student-style. Oh, yeah. Stylized. yeah, definitely. Lots of pausing for a stupid amount of time. Yeah. William Shatner style acting. And then I saw her with the poison. I said to her, what is that? She replied, oh, Emperor, I want to kill you. And I said, nay. Nay. Then a horse. <laughs> Comes on in the background. <laughs> yeah, he played played all the parts, all, all the all the guards, the the people on the door, the cat that happened to be wandering by. It was yeah. a magical performance. Michael apparently really got into this, yes. uh, explaining exactly what had happened to the Senate. The Senate apparently sat there unconvinced. Some <laughs> some were willing to get on board apparently, but most were were doubtful, shall we say. Mm. But still, he told the Senate what happened, they could like it or lump it. Because remember, what Michael really cared about was the public. The people. So, he left the less than convinced Senate and gave a public address to the people. Uh, the reaction seems to have been mixed. Now remember, Michael was well-liked, so he was applauded. But what Michael didn't seem to notice that there were a fair few people in the crowd looking a bit confused. Quite a few people clapping a bit slower than usual with a thoughtful look on their face. Hmm. Yeah. Michael returned to the palace uh, where uh, his entrance was witnessed by Celis personally. Uh, apparently he was practically dancing for joy when he came back in. Yeah. He really thought he'd pulled this off. But while Michael was celebrating, news of Zoe's fate soon spread through the city. Uh, those people who'd half-heartedly cheered started to spread the news, but the people they told did not half-heartedly clap or cheer. Uh, they just looked concerned. And soon enough, the message was spreading through the city, and it was not going down well at all. Uh, the city started acting She's as if an old it was lady. morning. Well, yeah, Zoe had always been there. Only the oldest amongst them could remember a time when Zoe wasn't there. She was the niece of the great Basil. She's an institution. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Zoe, who had given this new royal family everything, especially this young Michael, everything. He'd been adopted by her and then proclaimed emperor by her. And what does he do? Just turn around and exile her. And who's he? He's just the son of a ship corker. People start getting angry. I should probably note from this point, this is all from Celis, and uh, Skylitzis tells us a slightly different version, where the crowd immediately grew angry when they first heard that announcement in the forum. Uh, shouts of, let the bones of the corker be broken. We don't want a cross-trampling corker, but the original ruler, our mother, Zoe. Uh, but this version of the public immediately revolting uh, leaves out the play in the Senate and Michael dancing for joy after he thinks he's got away with it. Um, so I'm going for the Celis version. It's yeah. just a better version. And he was literally there, so... Well, yeah. 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 Anyway, if the general population weren't happy, the powerful were furious, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and they saw the mood of the city on a knife edge. This could go either way. So they pushed as hard as they could. This was their chance. The confusion and disappointment soon turned to anger. And now we get a scene from Salus himself who was witness to most of the following. During the events that to follow, he, he sees quite a few things, so we'll be getting his perspective a fair bit. Uh, Celus was in front of the main entrance of the palace at this time with a few other officials, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, and they heard noise. In fact, I'll quote, a hubbub sound, like horses' hooves. Clip-clop, 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 clip-clop. A large noise of movement coming down the streets towards the palace. Yeah, rumbling towards them. Probably not that sound. <laughs> Sounds like something from a Ghostbusters film. Which, maybe it was. Yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway no ghosts. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> rumbling towards them was a mob. A very angry mob, as most mobs are. Uh... Everyone was armed. Uh, some apparently had swords and bows, but most just had sticks and stones with which they could break people's bones. But their words will also hurt as well. Yeah, yeah, because they'll be insulting them as they're cracking the bones. <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's really bad. Celus uh, and those he was with quickly discussed what was going on. I mean, this wasn't a charge towards the palace. It was just in the distance there is a mob forming. Uh, some thought that, oh, it's a minus mob. It's just a group of angry people. It will wear itself out. Celus uh, writes that he was not convinced at this point, however, and uh, suspected that this was serious. Huh. Either way, we should probably head inside. Yeah. <laughs> Looking again at the mob, Celus describes how mob mentality had taken over. I'll quote him here. It was as if the whole multitude were sharing in some superhuman inspiration. They seemed different from their former selves. There was more madness in their running, more strength in their hands. The flash in their eyes was fiery and inspired. The muscles of their bodies more powerful. Sounds almost erotic. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, the mob didn't attack the palace directly, however. Instead, they headed for the house of Constantine and other family members. I guess the palace would be guarded as well, so that'd be quite a city well, to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And the house of Constantine, which wasn't in the palace complex, uh, was an easier target. Yeah. And everyone knew he was the power behind the throne. Um, the houses of Michael's family were literally ripped apart. The initial attacks by the mob... Uh, but once the mob had moved on, apparently the children of the city came along and just levelled the structures. Wow. Like, Great. People are ripping down the houses. Let's go and join in the fun. So you just got urchins of the city just pulling apart the walls and throwing the bricks around. That sounds sort of fun. Well, yeah, if you're a child at the time, why not? Yeah. Join in. Um, by this time, Michael had been informed that his, his speech hadn't actually gone down that well. <laughs> <laughs> but the acting, the emotion! <laughs> well, the news paralysed him, apparently. He was sure the people would be on his side. I mean, yeah, he knew the Senate wouldn't be happy, but the people, they were his people. People? Uh, Come on, people! <laughs> well, he, he looked around for some advice, and there was no one. John's gone. Zoe's gone. Uh, Constantine wasn't there at the moment. He was very, very alone. Even his Slavic guard saw which way the wind was going <laughs> and fled. Uh, he was very relieved, therefore, when suddenly Constantine showed up at the palace with all of his household, everyone armed to the teeth. Uh, ah. They had raced through the city as soon as the trouble had broken out. All of his household... Uh, grabbing knives before they left <laughs> and just ran through the city waving the knives at anyone who dared come near them uh, and in that way they'd managed to get to the palace Michael was at his wit's end uh, and basically begged to know what he should be doing where are we going to run to? how do we get away from this? Constantine apparently was calmer and told his nephew that an emperor does not flee he fights back at that point uh, it would appear Michael probably did a gesture around the empty room as if to say with what. <laughs> but as they didn't really have the men to fight back with, they'd have to try something else. The first thing they were going to do is get Zoe back in the palace. Removing her seems to have angered a lot of people, so let's just put her back and hopefully... It was blow over. Exactly, it'll be fine. I've always liked uh, Zoe, we've always respected her. Yeah, I don't even know why she's over there. No, definitely. me neither. <laughs> get her quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it would take a few hours uh, to get to the Isle of Princes and back. Um, so in the meantime, they'd gather who they did have and defend the palace. 
<laughs> Fighting and rioting continued for quite some time. Uh, the palace howled, though, just about, but hundreds upon hundreds died in this fighting. Oh. Yeah, it was fierce fighting. Eventually, Zoe was brought back to the palace through the palace harbour. Uh, she was quickly dressed in far more stately clothing than the nun's robes that she was in, and then taken through the personal passageway to the Hippodrome. Now, the Hippodrome, as we've seen before, had become the meeting place for the rioters. Right. And they soon saw Zoe come into the royal box. Hooray, Zoe's back. Yay. That's why we're rioting. Love the new hairdo. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Michael and Constantine hoped she would step out and everyone would calm down. But what actually happened is the crowd saw a very dishevelled old woman with shorn hair standing awkwardly in front of Michael and Constantine, who thought it would be a good idea to join her. This did not please the crowd one bit. No. The powerful, however, remember they're pulling the strings behind this revolt and they start to grow concerned by the rapidly changing events. Uh, it would seem that Zoe was being fully controlled by Michael and Constantine. If the mob accepted Zoe coming back and calmed down, then Michael would still be in charge and the revolt would have failed. The, the average man in the street was saying, come back Zoe, but the powerful wanted Michael gone, and those are two different things. Does it depend on what Zoe says as well? Yeah, exactly. No one really knows what Zoe stands for at this point. She is more of a symbol than anything else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, people start getting... People in the powerful start getting concerned that throwing all their eggs in the Zoe basket is not actually going to come up with the result they wanted. Uh, meanwhile, in the Hippodrome, Michael was shouting at the top of his voice, something along the lines of, look, she's back. <laughs> she's back, she's back, we can all calm down now. Please calm yeah. down, just calm down, everyone calm down. Just um, chill out! Yeah, no one could hear him over the sounds of everyone shouting, obviously. What they did see is someone throw a rock. Oh. And then a few more stones were thrown, and then those in the crowd who happened to have bows on them started firing arrows. Uh, again, uh, the, the speech hadn't gone down well, you could say. <laughs> so, Michael, Constantine and Zoe all flee back into the palace. The powerful are now very concerned. It looks like Zoe's actually working with Michael and Constantine. Yeah. Uh, we need a new idea. And one person comes up with a brilliant idea. Doesn't Zoe have a sister? Theodora. Do you remember her? Are you asking me, or is you, are you in role yeah. of that person? I'm not in role, I'm asking you. Theodora. Um, Trajan Zoe. I'll understand her. if you don't remember her, she was only briefly mentioned. Oh, uh, Zoe's sister. Oh, Theodora, hang, yeah. on, hang on. There's a box around her. Oh, oh there is, yeah. Uh, horse, love horses, daughters grew up. There's a box around her. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, we last came across Theodora in Romanos 3's episode, where a man had tried to revolt and usurp the throne off Romanos when Romanos was out of the city. Uh, this man had been plotting with Theodora. George! So, Maniches, Maniakes. No, no, that's the general. Oh. But it was around that time, yeah. Because there's Theodora's name again with a box and it says, Com can't read it. Okay. <laughs> it's probably this story, though. Yeah. Um, Theodora had been behind this plot, and John, who was in the early stages of becoming the most powerful man in the Empire, had uh, teamed up with Zoe at the time and made sure that Theodora was exiled. So, we last saw Theodora being exiled by her own sister Zoe and John, and we've not seen anything of her since. She had been forgotten about. She was in a monastery in the city somewhere. Um... And everyone had just put her out of mind. But she has a box around her. Well. Well, not literally. Well, probably. <laughs> no. Know. Who knows what they get up to in that monastery. But <laughs> one member of the powerful said, look, what about Theodora? She is also the daughter of Constantine VIII and the niece of the great Basil. That is true. Why don't we put her in charge and then we can control her? As we're revolting anyway, we might as well. It was figured out which ministry she was in and the building was stormed by armed men. Mm. A confused, scared and angry Theodora was dragged from her home, placed on a horse and taken to the Hagia Sophia, where she was declared emperor. Theodora? Yeah. Oh. That happened quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the palace, Michael learnt that his plan had definitely failed. If fleeing the Hippodrome wasn't enough, yeah, uh, apparently they've got Theodora and they've declared her in charge now, so um, things are going bad. 
another fight in the palace erupted, and three factions developed. First of all was the Theodora faction. This was supported mostly by the powerful. Uh, this was politically the strongest faction, because obviously mm. it had all of the powerful in it. Then the second faction was the Zoe faction. This was mostly made up by the mob that had originally formed and had not caught up with the idea that they are now supporting Theodora. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the powerful were trying to say, oh no, we've changed our mind, we want Theodora now, the average man on the street hadn't got that message, so they were still going for Zoe. Um, and then, of course, you've got Michael Five's faction, who was mostly supported by Michael Five. <laughs> My and... faction, yay! <laughs> yeah, I mean, the... the... The guard of the palace as well, who hadn't fled, he did have some support, but it's dwindling very quickly, as you can imagine. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, Theodora and Michael's factions were the ones fighting for the palace. A full-blown assault on the palace took place. Uh, Zoe's supporters, the common man on the street, they were just rioting in the streets still, uh, not really trying to attack the other factions, but just doing some good old-fashioned looting. Yay. A lot of destruction going on. Yeah. Around 3,000 people died, apparently. Um, yeah, nasty stuff. Michael and Constantine realised that they had lost. <laughs> it was decided that perhaps, maybe emperors do flee after all. <laughs> so Michael and Constantine flee. They fled to the palace and sought sanctuary in a nearby church. Theodora's faction then decided to make a move. They were going to wrap everything up. The city prefect was in this faction and happened to be a good friend of Celus. Ah. Uh, it was decided that the city prefect would go and arrest Michael and Constantine and bring them to Theodora. The prefect, thinking, oh, this is going to be tricky, I've got to go into a church, there's sanctuary involved, this could be awkward, uh, decided to go to his good friend Celus and invite him along. After all, Celus was a high-up official in the palace. He knew personally the Emperor and Constantine. Perhaps he could help. So, Celus and the city prefect head towards the church. There was a mob surrounding it, as you can imagine. Mm. They'd not broken the sanctuary, but it was looking dicey. It was only a matter of time before the place was stormed. Yeah. Uh, apparently it took a while, but Celus managed to push his way through the crowd and enter the church. Now, this is what I mean by Celus really starts to become part of the story. Yeah, here. wow. Yeah. As uh, Celus and his friend, the prefect, entered, the mob figured, well, we might as well go in as well if they're going <laughs> in. The mob spill in behind them. Uh, in a scene we've seen a couple of times before in series two, uh, Michael and Constantine were literally clinging on to the marble legs of the altar. They were dressed as peasants, and they looked miserable. Why, you would. <laughs> oh, you really would. <laughs> Celus said that he felt sorry for them when he saw them. And I'll just quote Celis here. Now that the mob had entered the church, they gathered in a circle around the two men, like wild beasts longing to devour them. While I was standing by the lattice gate on the right of the altar, I lamented. Both of them saw that I was greatly distressed and not entirely hostile towards them. They detected in me some signs of moderation. Both, therefore, converged upon me. So Constantine and Michael see Celis and go, oh, we recognise you from the palace. Friend. You work for us, don't you? Yeah. Help. Please help. <laughs> Constantine asked Celis, what can you do for us? Surely you can do something. To which Celis pointed out to Constantine, it's like, you were plotting with Michael to send Zoe into exile. What on earth were you thinking? That was stupid. Why did you do this? Uh, Constantine replied that he knew nothing of Michael's plan and blamed Michael for being too headstrong. It was all the young huh. man's fault. Nothing to do with me. Uh, which I can only imagine Michael stood there seething slightly. What? We don't know if this is true. I I'm guessing not. Constantine seemed to be fairly involved, but who knows, maybe it was. Michael, however, just stood there looking very dejected. Uh, he slowly was shaking his head, staring at the floor, and then said, God is not unjust. I am rightly paying the price for what I have done. He then touched the altar once more and declared that he should be monked, essentially abdicating the throne. <laughs> the, my, my punishment should I should live a long, fruitful life as a monk. <laughs> Absolutely not killed or executed. That, that is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. I, I'd rather death, but no, the worst should happen. A comfortable, wine-filled life as a monk. Making lots of Trappist ale. Oh. <laughs> Well, Celis felt the tension was starting to die down. Apparently, the undercurrents of tension were, were starting to abate. Yeah. 
However, then there was a commotion in the doorway, and into the church came some more officials and some soldiers. Ah. <laughs> they were there on the orders of Theodora. They were to take Michael and Constantine to safety, and they were just there to see what was taking so long. The crowd started murmuring angrily at this. They didn't want to hear about safety. And some started muttering about how the men should be executed in public. No, no, definitely monked. Monked! <laughs> well, apparently the official who had come along then made a motion indicating to the mob that don't worry, you'll get what you want. Oh. Uh, you get the feeling, <laughs> reading Cellus, the official is there saying, no, I'm taking you to safety, and then turning around and doing full-on throat-slitting motions and yeah. thumbs up to Blood the crowd. squirting out. <laughs> Starts writhing around on the floor. Big knowing wink and nod to the crowd. Don't worry. And then looking up occasionally and going, yes, safety. It would appear that whatever this signal was, it was obvious enough that Michael and Constantine saw it as the man was writhing on the floor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... Uh, they realised that actually th this wasn't good. So Michael and Constantine dived for the altar and clung onto the legs once more. <laughs> the official had had enough, however, and ordered that the men be dragged outside, which the mob were more than happy to do. Once the men were dragged outside, the crowd started to jeer. Rude jokes were made, according to Salas, uh, which is just mean. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently some, uh, in light-hearted jest but some were really quite mean. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine the uh, the guards saying, don't make jokes like this. This is the last five minutes on Earth. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I meant safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Michael and Constantine were roughly escorted through the streets, but soon ran into a third group that had been sent by Theodora's faction. Again, saying... Seriously, what's taking so long? Why aren't they with us yet? They should be here by now. And in fact, I've got this new order. We're to blind them on the spot. Monk! I want to be a monk! <laughs> uh, by this time, various senators and officials had turned up. A large crowd in the middle of the city had formed. Uh, everyone was hearing the news. Michael and Constantine had been captured and something was about to go down. The Emperor and his right-hand man heard the order that they were to be blinded and apparently were stunned to silence. Then they started to panic and scream for help. <laughs> One senator apparently managed to calm them down slightly, but then an iron spike was ordered and uh, a fire made. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, Constantine. It's fine. Calm down. It's to Get the spike! It's fine. <laughs> Deep breaths. The spike was then heated, so it was red hot, which takes a while. <laughs> uh, upon seeing this, Michael lost it completely and started screaming and begging for help. Constantine, however, grew resigned to his fate and just became quiet. Celus is still beside the two men for this whole time. They know him, so they've been sticking with him, uh, hoping that maybe he'd be able to do something for them. But they realise mm. that Celus is doing nothing by this point. Now, I'll quote Celus here, uh, describing how Constantine reacted when the spike was finally heated up. Seeing the executioners all ready for their work, Constantine at once offered himself as the first victim and calmly approached them, waiting with hands to thirst for his blood. And as there was no clear space between himself and the mob, for everyone there present wished to be first witness of their punishment, the Nobilissimus quietly looked round for the man to whom the miserable job had been entrusted. Miserable? He's probably got a massive grin on his face, like, yes! <laughs> you there, he said. Please make the people stand back and you will see how bravely I bear my calamity. The man <laughs> with the red-hot spike then ordered <laughs> that Constantine be tied down. But Constantine replied, Look, you, if you see me budge, then nail me down. And with that, Constantine lay on the floor. The man with the iron spike then kneeled above him and with a plop, plop, one, two, <laughs> his eyes were gouged out. Constantine apparently did not let out a noise, but very shakily got up onto his feet and was supported by friends of his who had turned up. All very calm and dignified. Very impressive. Oh. How do you think Michael's going to take it? He's going to be held down. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't want to be second, do you? You definitely don't want to be second. He, he, he loses it completely. Any composure he's got left, he starts hitting himself in the face, screaming, begging everyone for help as he is dragged forward, held down on the floor, twitching the entire time. Writhing around, his eyes were then removed. 
Mollified at last, the mob moved on. Michael Five was monked and died a couple of months later, presumably from his wounds. So there you go. That's Michael Five. That's worse than the ball-swelling <laughs> emperor. Yeah, it's, it's not good, is it? I mean, we've had a lot like this before, but never the detail. No. Never that much detail. See, it never it's... occurred to me like it'd be like a almost like a branding in the eyeball. Well, we've we've had different ways, haven't we? We've mm. remember we've had the uh, acid burning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we've theorised scoops, but yeah, red hot poker. Ooh. So yeah. Anyway, uh, the powerful now get to choose between Zoe and Theodora. Remember, two factions have formed. Uh, yeah. Remember, these two sisters despise each other. Utterly despise each other. Hmm. They choose both. Ah, splendid. Zoe and Theodora can rule together, they say. What what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's always worked in the past. Yeah, but that's for a future episode, because we now get to rank Michael Five. Fightius Maximus. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. Next. Aprovium Crazium. Oh, <laughs> uh, he... he Plotted to no, no. I'm I'm not not feeling this round. I'm I'm not either. No. Next. Success, Ultimus. <laughs> Absolutely not. Definitely not. Next. Image of I'm liking the. It's um, Halo. Uh, that that's that's not Michael. That's that's oh. Jesus. I was going to say it's a very Jesus-like appearance to it. That. Would, would, would explain. Yeah, that is uh, Jesus the Almighty. That's how you describe that. Um, no, so you need to look on the other side where there were two people. Yeah. Um, the, is he the one with wings? Uh, no, that's the Archangel Michael. Uh, and then there's another person who might <laughs> be Michael Five, but apparently we're unsure. Um, yeah. Uh, I couldn't find a coin that I can 100% definitely say is Michael Five. Uh, this is the closest that I found. It's the one on Wikipedia, and uh, it says a coin that may have been issued in the reign of Michael Five. So it's it's not looking good for well, Joe Facius. I, I think as well, with that uncertainty, I, don't, I can't give him any points. It might not be him. If I give him points, it might not be him. That'd be unfair. Yeah, and it's also sad that on this coin there are three depictions of people slash entities. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he is the least impressive, which makes sense because he's the mortal. It's not a good coin. Well, his robes are good, I'll give it that. I like yeah. the fold in his robes, there's some nice detail there. But we've had That's a good. couple of good coins recently and this isn't standing up to it. And we're not certain it's him. No, I'm, I'm not giving any points no, to that. No, I'm not either. I'm just not. Oh dear. Right, tempo. Temple completed. So how long do you think all that took? I mean, at least a year. I'm guessing a couple of years. A couple of years? Yeah. He was very fortunate that he became emperor in December. So when you just look at the years, it does change. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, five months. That's how long he was the emperor. Five months. Which gives him a score of 0 0.06 in this round which gives him a score of 0 0.06. Oh, dear. Which, I mean, obviously isn't our worst. No, I think Quintilis was 0 0.01, didn't he? Exactly. Uh, but he is definitely going down as one of our worst. Uh, let me just... Yeah, you've got to go back to episode zero, uh, episode 114, Starachius, who got 0 0.03. Uh, if you remember... He became the emperor when his head was almost decapitated. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and they, he gurgled. He gurgled. They ring. took him back to the palace and then he died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he did worse. <laughs> so Mike, yeah. Michael can, can be happy that he did better than Starachius. Well done, Michael Five. It was a poor, poor reign for Michael. It, what was it? Ship smearer? Is that what we went for? Yeah. Yeah. Ship smearer. Oh well, Michael. Ship smearer. One more question. Yeah. Do they have a certain Is it so bad that he deserves it? We can flip the coin. I don't think we need to flip the coin. I'm going to any. Just I'm not. Won't, won't go with the coin. But I'm just intrigued as to see if it does land on him. You just want to see what Jupiter's got to say. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Flip the coin. <laughs> Jupiter says no. Yeah, Jupiter knows where it's at. 
Yeah, so uh, off to the lions it is. No chariot race for Michael. Uh, hmm. And there we go. That is Michael 5. Wow. Next time, debatable, depends what order I do things. I think it's going to be Zoe, though. We've heard a lot about her. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to do Zoe next. It, I think it makes sense chronologically to do her next. So, okay, that's this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever else, and download us from Podby, iTunes, and Stitcher. Stay safe whilst locked down. Um, and also, want to say congratulations to uh, Pontifax podcast oh yeah, as yeah. well. They're coming up on their two-year anniversary. Mm. Uh, and something's coming up. Something's in the works. Yeah, it should be should be interesting. Yeah, we're not going to say any more than that for now. But it's not... No. It's probably not what most people will be expecting. No. 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 I'm not even 100% sure what it is, to be honest. No. <laughs> but, but we'll find out. Right. Uh, until next time. I want to see the sunrise. I want to see my children. Welcome to Theatre 1042. I am Barrius Normanus, and um, today we'll be looking at a rather uh, unusual little play uh, performed by none other than the Emperor himself, and I am joined here today by one of our esteemed senators who saw the performance live earlier on today, uh, Senator Constantine, because everyone's called Constantine. Ah, yes. Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. No, it is quite the pleasure. So, Senator, I believe you saw this performance live. I did, I did. I, uh, I, had, a, I had the good fortune to view it last night uh, with, with my family and my wife. Yes. Um, well, let's just jump in straight away. Off the top of your head, is this worth seeing? It, it depends what your tastes are. If you're more of a traditional theatre lover, you know, Greek, Greek style, then I, I would avoid it like the plague. However, if you're more into more modern theatre, more dancey kind of things, then I would give it a look. Mo- modern, you say? Could you give, give some examples? Well, rather than an, an ensemble cast, it was a, a one-man show uh, where the Emperor played pretty much every part and every prop. Interesting. Props as well. Yes, it was especially interesting in the scene where he was sitting at the table. I'm not quite... I can't picture it, it must be said. A surprising amount of movement. Oh, right, okay. And and crying. Oh, c- crying? Was there a lot of crying? A lot of, lot of torsion. Oh, oh, I see. Right, um... Well, maybe for those who won't get to see this, I do have the feeling it's a one-off, what with all the screaming I can hear outside right now. Um, uh, maybe a quick 30-second summary so we know what we missed. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's something about the Emperor being very good and Zoe, I think, being bad, but she... Swan? There was a swan on a head. I didn't. I didn't get it. Okay, well, that's one to miss then. Um, well, thank you very much, uh, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow, where we'll be uh, reviewing. Uh, just let's have a look here. Ah, yes, a performance of Rather Fast and Rather Miffed Four, a classic.